morning, everybody. I would echo John's thought. It's, it is good to be here today um, on this lovely spring day, isn't it? <laughs> just imagine in a few weeks, Easter will be here, and it will be a lovely spring day, not just on the calendar, but weather-wise as well. Uh, it's great to be with you today. Uh, interesting atmosphere today. I would say it's kind of low-key. Uh, you farewelled your pastor, Pastor Roy Hyde, last week. And uh, this is like the morning after, right? The week after, it's just a little different. And uh, I'm happy to be able to be the bridge guy today, to be able to be with you. And uh, that the snow wasn't too bad coming. There was more snow in Burlington than up here, more in the south than here. Uh, so it was a great trip, real nice, left a little early, so there was no rush. And so it, again, it's just terrific to be with you. Let me just to share, share a few things with you during this time of transition. Uh, between pastors, it's my, been my delight and privilege to begin to get to know your board, and they're a wonderful group. Uh, I can testify to that for sure. And actually, this coming Tuesday evening, they're going to be meeting with a pastor who very well might be your interim pastor, who you will meet next week. Uh, your church is part of a group of, actually a larger group of about 1,100 churches under the umbrella of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And that denomination, that fellowship of churches, is divided uh, according to geography. And you're part of the Western Ontario District, where there's about 360 churches. And uh, when a church is without a pastor, uh, we have the opportunity, according to our rules of governance, our constitutions, to partner with your church leadership and uh, to seek uh, an appropriate interim pastor, someone who will be with you uh, during this time of transition until there's a new pastor in place whenever that might be, and only God knows, I think, unless one of you knows for sure when that will be, and if you know for sure, let me know, and we'll see how prophetic or not you are, whether you're prophetic or pathetic, right? So <laughs> sometimes that line blurs just a little bit, doesn't it? Anyways, uh, so the board will be meeting with, uh, with that individual on Tuesday night. Another thing that the board would like you to do, and I fully support this, I suggested it, so obviously I support it, is, is to be involved in a church-wide survey in terms of where you feel your church is right now in various areas of ministry and what you project you will need in terms of gifts and strengths with your new pastor. Uh, this is called a CHAT survey, C-H-A-T, which stands for Church Health Assessment Tool. Uh, this you will be able to do, to do online very conveniently, or if not, if you would prefer a paper version of this, we'll get that to you. That's not a problem at all. And uh, for two weeks, that'll be available to you starting Monday, April the 4th. So a week tomorrow, uh, believe it or not, it will be April, and you will be able to complete this survey uh, at your convenience for a two-week period. I believe it's going to go from the 4th, if I remember correctly, to the 18th. And so lots of time. Now, this survey is basically rating statements and qualities from one to five in terms of importance, not so important, or agree, not really disagree, uh, so it won't take too long. Now, in total, uh, there's 83 questions. I know that sounds like a lot, uh, but again, it's just putting a one or a two or a three or a four or a five on a line, and so it's not 83 essay questions or anything like that. But you do have opportunity to offer your own comments, and they will be recorded and reported to us as well. So you can take that option. Uh, so I asked my son uh, how long this took him. He has done this before, and uh, he said, oh, Dad, he said, it's so long. 
uh, this gave me a real perspective on generational sense of time. He said, it just took so long to do it. And I said, well, Jay, how long did it take? He said, about 20 minutes. And I thought, well, okay, for someone who's 38 years old, I guess that's a long time. For me, 28, uh, I'm not 38, just in case you're wondering. I know you're not. Um, for me, that doesn't seem too long. But let's say half an hour to 45 minutes. But it's a great investment of time, conveniently done. And uh, actually, on the morning of April the 18th, I will get the results right on my computer, and it's a beautiful presentation, uh, which we'll be sharing with you down the road as well. So we'll share the results of, uh, of that survey with the board, of course, but also uh, there's a version to share with the congregation as well. And it will help your leadership determining the voice of the Spirit in terms of the Lord's future direction for you. Uh, I, I came walking in here today, uh, moving on now, uh, with a mask on, and the main reason for that is that I've just discovered that I have a face made for a pandemic and I just look better in a mask. So that was my, not really, but anyways, moving forward, uh, again, I want to echo John's thought, thoughts that it's great to see uh, a lot of the uh, mandates and so on being put aside uh, because of improving uh, statistics and health conditions. And we hope and pray that that will continue to be the case. Uh, but for the time being, uh, we just want you to know that if you're comfortable coming in here with a mask, that's absolutely fine. And if not, obviously that's fine as well. And we just continue to con uh, continue to respecting each other uh, in that area, in all areas. And uh, again, we'll get through, through this together, and here we are. Uh, we live in a great country. Amen? I don't ask for amens too much, but I will for that. We live in a great country. Amen? We really do. We need to be so thankful. Uh, I know there's areas of disagreement and so on, but when I look around the world, uh, as you well have yourselves, and see what's going on, we are just fortunate and blessed and need to be so thankful and good-spirited spirited about the place that we live. Amen? Last amen, I think, I'm going to ask you for, so don't worry about it. And I'm not going to ask you for amen every sentence, okay? That's all right. But if you feel so, if you, amen. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's true. Didn't have to ask for that. Okay, that's the end of my sermon. Amen? Amen. <laughs> well, I, I've got good for, news for you today. I'm taking you to a place in the Bible, a great story. If you have a Bible with you, if you have a phone with a Bible on it, I don't know, can you throw the Bible text up here or not? If you can, you can. If you can't, you can. No problem. 2 Kings chapter 6, about the middle of your Old Testament. 2 Kings chapter 6, and we'll start to look at it at verse 8. Uh, I'm happy to tell you two things right now. This is a great story. Uh, maybe you've come across it before. Uh, if not, uh, this could be a life-changing story. This could be a story, uh, an event that, that changes your perspective on difficulty. Uh, maybe some of you are in a situation right now and there, there really need, seems to be no solution. It could be a physical situation uh, in terms of your health or a physical situation in terms of someone you really care for, which is if you really care for them, uh, it's as bad as you being sick as well. As a matter of fact, if you really care for them, you'd you wish you could take their sickness. Uh, maybe there's some financial struggles uh, or relational issues in your family and, and there just doesn't seem an answer or you seem trapped. Um, there, there's no escape. You look to the north, the south, the east, and the west, as one of the characters in this story did, and, and I sense I'm about to be rebuked by Faye. I hope that's... No, no, we're good. We're, I'm, I, I didn't really sense that, just so you know. Um, I just thought I'd comment. Um, 
there seems to be no escape. This is the kind of story uh, that addresses that issue. Now, if you're not in that situation today, if life is really good, I'm really happy for you. That's terrific. Um, but there might come a day when there's a bit of a challenge in life, and you right, might remember this morning, or you'll remember 2 Kings chapter 6, and it'll be helpful for you or someone in your family, someone in your circle of relationships. So 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 18, that's what we're going to look at today in, uh, in the word of the Lord. So here we go. Uh, in this story, let me just set the, set the context here. It says in verse, um, let me find it now, in verse 8, it tells us uh, that the king of Aram was at war with Israel. Uh, so obviously things were not good for the Israelites at this point in time. Uh, over the last month, you no doubt have seen the images from Ukraine and the horrors. Um, here's what struck me, by the way, when this first began, this war. Uh, they were showing pictures of families, uh, kids of all ages, hiding in the subways, uh, using them as bomb shelters. The last time I saw that image, and many of you would relate to this, are black and white photographs of people in Great Britain hiding in the tunnels during World War II. And I learned that that was the case in Scotland and in England as well. Uh, that's the last time I saw that image, or that's the only image I've ever seen of that. Now to see it in living color on my television set, uh, I just couldn't believe it, uh, that they were uh, having to do this, and, and it's just terrible things that we're seeing. This is what it was like to be an Israelite at this point in time in 2 Kings chapter 6. A time of conflict, a time of fear, uh, a time where their great relief was needed in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. The king of Aram was at war with Israel. And we are told uh, that the king of Aram would get his leadership council together, his generals, and he would confer with them and he, they would make plans. And he would say, okay, we're going to set up our camp at this such and such a place. And by setting up camp here, it'll be strategic and we will indeed be able to uh, defeat the Israelites, and they would make that plan. Uh, the problem was, Elisha, at that point in time, uh, the prophet of God in Israel, would go to the king of Israel, who was the king of Aram's enemy, and, and say that they were going to be attacked. And he would say to him in verse 9, King, beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. And, and so the king of Israel would avoid that place where they were going to be ambushed by their enemy, but, of course, the king of Aram was completely frustrated, thinking that he had a traitor in his ranks, right? Because he's meeting with his leaders. He's saying, we're going to meet at such and such a place. And they set up camp there to ambush the Israelites. And the Israelites, they never show up. And he's wondering, there must be a traitor here. And, and so he calls them together to find out who the traitor is. And here's what they say. There's none of us, Lord. None of us are traitors, my Lord. But Elisha prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Now, how did they know about Elisha? Well, if you go back a little bit in your Bible, uh, maybe just a page, depending on what kind of Bible you have or your device, you, you'll see that there was a guy named Naaman. He was the commander of Aram's armies. Uh, he was second in command only next to the king, uh, but he had leprosy. And the story goes that ultimately he was healed by following the directions of Elisha. So here's this Aramean, commander of the armies. He was leprous. Uh, 
a young lady who was, uh, who was kidnapped from Israel says, you need to go to the prophet in Israel. He does. He finally obeys, and he's healed. And here he is, we would think, with the king of Aram, and knowing that, the, that there's no traitor in their midst, but this prophet Elisha, who healed me of leprosy, God is speaking to him, warning his people Israel, and avoiding the ambush. And so that's the situation, is the king of Aram. Uh, frustrated, God protecting Israel. And then we come to the main part of the story in verse 15. And here's what it says. It was early in the morning. I hope your day started well. I hope it didn't start too early. I hope it was rather routine that your car started when you wanted to get here. And I just hope it was uh, a good start for today for you. Did anyone have a lousy start to today? Anybody? Really? I'm so sorry. So sorry, you, you, you can speak to John after the service, all right? That, that'd be, he would love to hear all about your, I'm sorry. Well, I, is it getting better? You're enjoying me, right? So it's getting better, right? Ah, come on, buddy, give me a break here, all right? <laughs> Thanks for playing the game, that's good. But I do hope your day gets better, for sure, and your week. Well, th these guys, Elisha and his servant, uh, their day did not start well. So the sun rises or is rising in that verse 15 of chapter 6. Here's, uh, here's what the servant saw with his eyes. When the servant of the man of God, and understand that this man of God is Elisha, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Here's what the servant said to Elisha. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked uh, to say the least, things were not looking good for Elisha and his servant. All around him, we see in verse 14, was a strong force that was seeking to capture them and ultimately destroy them. Wherever this servant looked, north, south, east, and west, they were surrounded. There was trouble. Wherever he saw a way of escape, what do you know? There wasn't a way of escape. There was no physical, visible solution here. They were completely isolated hemmed in, and there was no way of escaping from this situation. He and his boss, Elisha, were completely trapped. There was no path of escape. His physical sight, that which he could see with his eyes, told him that there was real danger here. It was immediate, it was imminent, and for all intents and purposes, it was unstoppable. It was a hopeless situation. And there just might be times in our lives when it seems to be pretty hopeless, a hopeless situation. It was not a good start to the day. My friend, I don't know how badly your day started, but I have a feeling this guy's was a lot worse than yours. But I don't know. I don't know. But I just have a This was a bad start to the day. Uh, so if you did have a bad start, take a read of this, and you'll see maybe yours wasn't too bad. That's what he could see with his own sight. But and then in verse 16... Um, we, we see that there's something else that needed to be seen. Um, as he had done before, uh, you know, it's interesting. God, by the way, uh, could have let Elisha know where the enemy was going to be. Remember, just a few moments ago, we looked at the fact that uh, God was telling Elisha, don't have the Israelites there because Aram is coming. Seems to me uh, that during the night, the Lord could have woken up Elisha or given him a good dream and said, hey, listen, the Arameans are coming here, so you better get moving. Interesting, God didn't do that. God let the danger, and this was a really life-threatening danger come right to the door. 
which tells me if, if real dangers and problems come to our door, it's not necessarily because we've disobeyed the Lord or we're living in sin. What have we done wrong? God will allow the threat to come right to the door, certainly in this case, uh, but by allowing the threat to come to the door to be a real threat to their lives, there is opportunity for something pretty good to happen. And so in verse 16, Elisha begins by saying, don't be afraid, he says to his servant, which is a good thing to say uh, when the servant is obviously terrified. Don't be afraid. Now, there was two of them against a mighty army. The odds were not looking good for these two. Even though Elisha had been used in a great way by God, in miraculous ways, the odds were looking pretty bad. Uh, his words of comfort, his call to courage, however, don't spring simply from a desire to make his servant feel better. Uh, you know how it is in, in everyday life, someone tells you something, they're sick with something, or you're, you're sick with something, and your friend says, or your family says, hey, don't worry, it's going to be okay, and you smile, and you say thank you, but in your heart, in your mind, you're thinking, well, it might not be okay. Uh, they're just being nice to me. Well, Elisha, we'll see, just wasn't being nice here. There is a reason that he could say, don't be afraid. I'll paraphrase a little bit. This is going to work out all right. No need to worry here. Those were uh, the words of Elisha. And then he goes on to say this in verse 16. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. A remarkable statement for this servant to hear. Remember, it's a huge army surrounding them, and there's two of them, a servant and Elisha. And Elisha says, no sweat here. We're in the majority. We outrank them. We, we outnumber them. There is more with us. There's no need to be afraid. And the servant, I'm not sure, we're not told how the servant reacted. He, he might have smiled because Elisha's the boss and gone along with it. Just like sometimes you smile when your boss says something and you go along with it. But in your heart, you're thinking, this is crazy. I'm thinking the servant must have wondered or thought to himself, this is crazy. How can it be? He had seen the danger all around him. He was terrified. Now, fear might have caused him not to hear the good news that Elisha was speaking. Elisha, if, if it was true, this was a wonderful, life-altering truth. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha was saying to him, there's more, more going on here than you can see. There's a, there's a plan here that you can't quite comprehend or, again, see, uh, but it's real. There, there's something here that you simply cannot see. You see, the servant had seen with his eyes and was terrified. Elisha told him that in this situation, there was literally more than meets the eye. There was something going on. So, uh, when you're concerned about a family member or someone you care for and they're going down a wrong path, and you know it's a wrong path, what do you do? Let's do what Elisha did. He prayed. He said, Lord, verse 17, open his eyes so that he can see. Now, we know the servant wasn't blind, right? He wasn't physically blind because he had already seen the terrifying circumstances that were surrounding him. He got up that morning and saw the army. And yet, Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes telling me that there was more to take in here. There was more going on in this picture than the servant could see. He prays, and in verse 17, 
the prayer is answered. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and here's what he saw. The hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around that day. Now, I'm going to date this, uh, this. I'm going to date myself and, and my kids. I have three adult children. Uh, they tease me about this all the time. It, when they were younger, we had this tradition at Christmas time. And yes, we did read the Chris Christmas story. We still do. Uh, but that's not the thing they teased me about. There were these movies that I would break out at Christmas time and say, hey, we're going to have a family night and watch these movies. One of them, and of course, it was on uh, DVD, not DVD, VCR. That, Somebody knew, how did you know it would be VCR? I'm not, do I look that old? I'm the, at least we had a TV. <laughs> VCR, yeah. The first one was the Ten Commandments. Remember the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston? Anyone seen that movie? That's a good, if you haven't seen that, oh, you need to take a look at that. The voice of God is so powerful in that movie. Moses, remember that? That, that one. And then Ben-Hur. Anyone ever watch Ben-Hur? Isn't this great? I'm making some friends here. Some people are saying, this guy's older than we realize, right? The other one was The Sound of Music. Remember with Julie Andrews, The Sound of... You like that? Oh, okay, we're relating. Forget these Christian thing movies. Julie Andrews, we're there. Christopher Plummer, yeah. We remember that. You're like, have you seen that movie? That, oh, right. Well, the most famous song is The Hills Are Alive. I'm not even going to try to sing it. I'm going to be merciful to you today. The Hills Are Alive with the Sound of Music, right? Well, on this day, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, the hills were alive, all right? Whenever you think of Julie Andrews, Sound of Music, think of this story, the hills were alive. I don't know if there was the Sound of Music, but there was the chariots of fire. The armies of God were surrounding Elisha and his servant. And Elisha saw it clearly. He prayed that his servant would see it. The Lord opened his spiritual sight. That's what's going on here. And the servant saw it. And I'm sure that servant was amazed. The story goes on almost humorously to say that uh, the Lord, uh, oh, there's a, there's a whole lot of going on here with sight and vision. The Lord opens the eyes of the servant to see the spiritual realities. He then blinds the Arameans. So one, some eyes are open. The army of the Arameans, the enemy, they're shut. And, and Elisha leads them back uh, to the city where they could be destroyed. But Elisha says, no, don't do that. Be merciful. And they make them a banquet. It's a remarkable story that we're not focusing on today. We're just focusing on the fact that suddenly this servant understood the reality of God, the protection of God, the presence of God that was surrounding him. And all was well. But for that spiritual understanding to happen, it had to be miraculous. His, his eyes, his spiritual understanding, his vision needed to be opened. And I, I want you to speculate with me just for a moment. And, and just in case you're wondering if you think this sermon is going pretty fast, maybe it is. I'm getting pretty close to the end here. Amen? Oh, you didn't say to amen too? Oh, that's good. It wasn't too much of a cheer. That's a nice thing. We're, we're getting to the, the crux here though. I, I want to speculate that after this happened, life for this servant was never the same again. We don't know that. Um, you know, what is rather interesting, I mentioned this story of Naaman, 
And uh, Naaman wanted to, who was healed of leprosy, he was the, in charge, or he was the, he was the commander uh, of Aram's armies. Uh, he's healed of leprosy because he obeyed the commands of Elisha. And then he wants to give Elisha all kinds of gifts. Elisha says, no, no, no gifts. You just go on your way. Then it says Elisha's servant uh, snuck out and went and, and lied to Naaman and took some of the plunder, took some of the gifts for himself and hid it in his tent. Uh, this is the servant of Elisha. And you know what happened? The ser Naaman had been cured of leprosy. But the servant comes back and Elisha says, where have you been? And he lies to Elisha, the servant of God. Elisha says, no, no, that's not, I'm paraphrasing here, that's not true. I saw when you were talking to Naaman, I know what you've done. And from that moment on, the servant became leprous. That which had clung to Naaman now clung to him. And here, here's something I find interesting, and it's a bit of speculation. It's, it's my, I speculate that the sermon, or the, the servant who was leprous, is the same servant, why am I saying this, is the same servant in 2 Kings chapter 6 who had his spiritual eyes opened. Doesn't say that specifically. We know that in uh, uh, previously the servant's name, Gehazi. What we've looked at today, it doesn't name the servant, but if it's the same one, you know what the great truth here is, I believe, is that th this guy, servant had messed up. He had lied to his uh, Elisha, he had stolen from Naaman. He was a fraud, and he was judged. He was leprosy. But even in that condition with that past, God was gracious still and opened his eyes. I believe sometimes we feel that God can't use us or bless us in certain ways because of our past, because of things we have done, people we've hurt, things we've said. And that was so unfortunate if that's the case. But what we see here, I believe, is that God will still open our eyes. He'll still use us in spite of our past. That's just one thought. Another speculation is this. I got to think that after that experience, life was never the same for this servant. Here's why. We, we, we're not told that he could see the heavenly realities endlessly. My assumption is he saw them for a while, and then the curtain of that supernatural realm closed again. That's just my guess. Who knows? Maybe he did, but I, I have a feeling that he had this great revelation, and maybe a few minutes later, uh, the curtain came down, and they led the Arameans back to the town, and they were fine, and, and life went on. But I, I don't think life went on as normal. Here's why. The next time that this servant had a problem, or an issue, or a fear, don't you think he might have remembered the day when God revealed himself fully to him. The day when, when the curtain of eternity was pulled up and much to his amazement, this servant saw the armies of God protecting him. When he saw, maybe not God in his fullness, but a lot fuller than he had ever experienced him before. It, it must have been different for him when he, when he experienced an issue, a problem, a challenge, a sickness. I'm guessing would have, he would have thought, you know what? This is tough. But I know that the armies of God, the presence of God, the protective grace of God is surrounding me. And things would have been different. He would have seen it differently from that day forward. We don't know if that was the case. But I'm guessing, wouldn't you, don't you think it's safe to guess that this was the case? That having had that experience where his eyes are opened, things would seem different. I think so. Here is the application. You are here today as daughters and sons of God. 
followers of Jesus Christ for one reason. There's been many circumstances, but there's one ultimate reason. Just as God opened the eyes of this servant, so he has opened your spiritual eyes to who he is. I know that there's great families in this church, and the influence of these great parents have caused their children to meet God. But ultimately, it is God himself, through his grace, that opens our eyes to the truth of his reality, just as was the case with this servant. Open his eyes, and they were. At some point in time, God opened our eyes to who he is. It's a divine thing. In, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, Paul the apostle who writes that, he quotes from Isaiah and says, Oh, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, minds have not comprehended what God does for those who love him. But then Paul goes to say this, but God has revealed it by his spirit. There's been a change. That which was hidden is now made real to us, and we are daughters and sons of God. Just like the servant's eyes were opened, so our eyes have been opened as well. Just as I speculate that from that day forward, life must have been different for the servant, especially when he faced challenges of all kinds. So I want to suggest to me today and to all of us that because God has revealed himself to us by the Spirit, opened our eyes to his goodness. So when we face challenges, uh, issues, when the difficulties of life seem to surround us, just like they literally did that servant on that day, we can see things differently. I, I need to hear this just as much as anyone else in this room might need to hear it today. I, I can worry real good. Uh, the Lord has blessed Kathy and I, my wife, with three wonderful granddaughters. And, and you think, that's wonderful. And you're right, it is wonderful. It's absolutely great. But I can see it this way. Well, it's great, but now I've got three more people to worry about, right? Because I love them so much. Well, that's a bit of a joke, but not really. It's true. But because God has revealed himself to me and to you, uh, we can face those daily cares and concerns with, by God's grace, by people reminding us that it's, it's different. There, there's more going on than meets the eye. There's more to this story of life than we can see. And someday uh, we shall fully know, as the Bible says, even as we are now fully known by God. So, Justin, where are you? There you are. Thanks for hanging around. Appreciate that. Come on up and lead us in a song, okay? Whatever song you want, whatever seems appropriate, or what you have there right now, that's what I leave with you today, is let's see, by God's grace, things differently. Uh, board, uh, those who are going to be looking for a pastor and caring for the management of this church in this uh, time, uh, God, I, I'm happy to tell you that God has already chosen your next pastor. The future is determined by him. And now it is our joy to seek his will and to walk in that path that he has already created. Uh, so may the Lord open the eyes of your church board to all of you. I hope as you engage in that survey to, to write things that are led by the Spirit that will be so helpful to the leadership. God is in charge. He is here. He is with you. Lord, open our eyes that we may see what you would have us to do today and in the days to come. 